0: Welcome to Truth, Culture, Life. I am Royce Hood. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, Yeah, I just want to give a special shout out to Catholic Spirit Radio in Peoria. Thank you so much for uh, having this program. And also to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. So for any of you that are listening, a few talking points here this morning. I am going to be hosting the second annual Naples Pro-Life Summit in Naples, Florida. If you've tuned in, To the show, you've probably heard us talking about it. Father Orsi will be there. We're gonna have a number of other folks there as well. That is March twentieth through the twenty second in Naples, Florida, and it's a it's a pretty pretty much a hybrid pro life event. And my goal with this thing is that it becomes sort of a national stomping ground for the pro life movement. And yeah, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. So come come on down if you can. Join us. We will be doing a airboat excursion, possibly. But one thing we do have planned for sure is dolphin boat ride, where we do a a tour of the Gulf of Mexico. And that's sort of an opportunity to get away from the sidewalk, get away from the the boardroom for a few minutes and do something fun as, as a movement, get to know each other a bit. We do a pep rally with students. We take gifts to moms and babies at a maternity home, and then we do, then we do trainings. So we've got pregnancy uh, best practices training, fundraising training, how to win legislation training, or, or ballot measure training, how to win the argument, and then we do a keynote. We've got some really really cool people coming. Just this later today, if you're listening this Saturday and Sunday, then this will have already happened. But I'm recording this on Friday. We have got Jean Davis, who is a incredible black woman from. Where is she from? She's from like New Hampshire, Vermont. She wrote a book called Breaking Chains Against All Odds. How God Rescued Me from 20 Years of Sex Trafficking. Her story is unbelievable. Trafficked at a young age. Just the things that this woman has been through in her life are absolutely horrendous. And she has a absolutely beautiful nine-year-old son who I think will be joining us as well. And her story is incredible. And she she managed to escape this just cycle of evil, and now runs a successful uh, crisis pregnancy center, and just does amazing work. Her, when you when you hear her speak, you realize like she is literally on fire with the Holy Spirit. It's it's just unbelievable. So that said, let's see. I'm going to post links to her on our website via Facebook at Truth Culture Life Pod. So check that out and you can see some of her stuff. She actually was at the March for Life and spoke in front of the rally and everywhere else. Okay. The other person we're talking to, we've invited Abby Johnson. I don't know whether or not she is going to be able to come yet, but we'll know soon. But one of her producers, Brianna, with a group called Un Unth- let's see, Mighty Motion Pictures will be there. And they are working on the new film Unthinkable. I I talked about this film a couple of weeks ago after the March for Life, and we shared uh, some clips from their trailer. So hopefully they'll come down and be promoting that film, Unthinkable, which will be really exciting. We have uh, Pastor Thigpen from a a New Hope church. It's not a Catholic church, but it's a, a really awesome ministry that works a lot with people that have addiction and just are just, it's an amazing congregation. They've, they've, really just a huge church, not quite a mega church yet, but it's getting there. And that's actually who's hosting us. They're hosting our summit. And then we have Father Michael Orsi, a dear friend, of course, a co-host on this program, who I was just on the phone with. And they've got a new show in production that is going to be coming out on CBS and a few other big networks. So that is why he's not been able to make it, but he'll be back soon, I promise. And so he'll be there. And then we've got a number of pregnancy centers. Coming, We're doing a best practices for pregnancy centers, how to work it. Now, Naples, for those of you that don't know, is home of Ave Maria School of Law. That's where I went to law school and also home to a Planned Parenthood. And interestingly enough, the Planned Parenthood announced that it was going to start doing abortions, I think, within the month of the law school first moving down there in 2009. So you've got these like competing spiritual interests, right? Good versus evil coming in at the same time. It's a battleground spiritually. And just a few years ago, that uh, abortion clinic virtually shut down and they stopped doing abortion at that Collier County Planned Parenthood. But sadly, I think just within the last year, they've resumed abortions in in Naples, Florida. So uh, this event is is important there. Hopefully we can get that clinic shut down and, and make just to make abortion unthinkable. Speaking of which, I am really, I've just really been getting active on Twitter on x.com and I would encourage anybody listening apart from listening to Catholic Spirit Radio I would encourage you to go to x.com and follow me at Royce Hood there are just some such interesting conversations there's you know it with like with any social media you've get your you got your trolls that just say all sorts of nasty vulgar things and depending on how you you look at it it can actually be amusing sometimes Especially when you're the recipient of such nasty, vulgar comments, which I've been numerous times with my pro-life uh, tweets. I don't know. I don't even know if they're called tweets anymore. You know, what do you, what do you actually call an X? Is it, is it a tweet or is it just a post? Maybe it's called an X where's father Orsi when I need him anyway. So on my feed right now, if you go to X, X.com at Royce hood, I mean, go to my, my profile. You can see all my posts. You can see replies, media highlights, things I've liked, and so you can kind of get a sense of what I'm looking at. And you know, look, I'm not some social media genius. There's people out there that know how to like, you know, they they have like tens of thousands of followers overnight, and they post this just amazing content. You know, maybe it's maybe I need to better define what content I'm posting. Am I just talking about Catholic stuff? Am I talking about pro life, music, film? events I can't help it I probably shouldn't talk about politics on there but I do so I'm thinking about adding to my profile political commentator maybe I don't know if that's appropriate but so if you go to my profile there's a account that I've reposted it's it's high res the rapper and it's just hilarious it's a minute 33 long video and it has 400,000 views already and it's just been posted 18 hours ago just amazing So it's gone viral and it is Tucker Carlson, Donald Trump, and Joe Biden made a rap song about Putin. And these clever guys took sound bites from Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson and maybe Joe Biden. I'm not sure if those are real or not. And, but you can definitely hear Donald Trump's voice and they basically copied and pasted and spliced and edited. And it literally sounds like these guys are rapping to this beat. It's hilarious. And it's just so creative and so well done. So I, I enjoyed that. I reposted it. I also have one of my latest things on my feed. It is a hot topic that is very sensitive for many, many people. But I, I have a Radiance Foundation as a group that is headed by Ryan Bomberger. And for anybody listening, Ryan is just amazing. He was conceived in rape. His he is a from a multiracial. Uh, background with his different ethnicities of his parents and really just has a way of speaking to the black community in ways that others don't and he, he has a way of reaching out really across the pendulum of of the world I mean he, he connects with so many people He's just a brilliant guy And he talks a lot about you know being conceived in rape and that's a hot hot issue there's another person Rebecca Kiesling, that I'm friends with, that same thing has a ministry called Save the One, and she was conceived in rape as well. And so, uh, one of my latest feeds is a post about this, and this woman came out and said, you know, effectively, there's a law in Missouri that would have an exception. You know, how dare anybody not want an exception? You know, get get these people out of office. And so, I in, I understand, you know, it's a sensitive topic for many people, but I posted, a, hey, a baby is a baby, not a criminal, and that was just my my topic. In other words, and this is what I've learned from Ryan and from Rebecca. The baby didn't do anything wrong. So why, why punish the baby? But I, I get it. How do you reconcile that? You know, the examples people use, Oh, what about the 10 year old girl? What, uh, what about the 11 year old girl? Should she be forced to carry a, a baby? Well, first of all, you know, it's a terrible thing to even think about. And it's just a tragic situation all around. And how do we reconcile that? How, how do we address that? And that's one of those things that it's, you know, I don't necessarily have the right argument for it. But if you look to Ryan Bromberger and Rebecca Kiesling, they do. And they have ways of articulating the arguments against abortion in those circumstances in ways that really make sense. And they do it from a perspective of two people who were conceived in rape, you know, and then you go to somebody like a Melissa Oden, who anybody watching this knows about, you know, and she talks about. Uh, you know, leaving, the you know, people that have left the the abortion industry. And she talks about things like surviving abortion attempts as a baby that survived an abortion. I mean, wow. You know, those are just phenomenal, phenomenal circumstances. So anyway, if you go to my feed, you'll see a repost from the Radiance Foundation. And then you can click on that and you can see the whole commentary. Now, some, I will warn you, it's not PG. There are people that really really post just nasty stuff. But you can also see a lot of very interesting dialogue about those issues. So check it out as well. Now, under my media tab there, I've got some media posts. And I'm going to be updating the clip from the Abby Johnson's uh, talk at the Law of Life Summit in DC that has the unthinkable trailer. So that should be on there by the time this program airs and there's clips to incorruptible our trailer and just all sorts of other things as well another hot topic that i'm getting a lot on and that we see a lot about is you know the vote, voter ids and election integrity now many people on the left and many people in the media and the mainstream will tell you that the elections are perfectly safe there's nothing wrong with them they're they're totally fine any suggestion to the contrary is simply conspiracy theories and incorrect well it's interesting there's a website a secular website called ballotpedia.org and they have posted a wonderful map and it's not political at all which is what's great about it they're they're non-political but basically voter identification requirements by state and they have the map highlighted with different colors and Gray, no ID required, yellow, non-photo ID required, and blue, photo ID required. Now, Florida has a photo ID required. That makes sense. Florida has also had what's been known, what people arguably, they get mis- they, they mistake mail-in ballots for absentee ballots. They're technically two different things. And this is an argument that is incorrect that I see all the time, both by very uh, highly educated political commentators on national news, as well as just by people commenting on, on Twitter or Facebook. Absentee ballots have been around for a long time in Florida. They get counted in a day. They are for active military. They're for snowbirds that live out of state, or they're for even in some cases the elder, elderly who are unable to go vote in person. They are watermarked. They are verified. They have ID numbers. There are identification requirements for requesting an absentee ballot. They are vetted. They are safe. They are secure. Back some of you may remember the the gore bush debacle came down to absentee ballot issues in Palm Beach County. And they they have, I mean, there's been no issues since that time. So mail-in ballots, on the other hand, and particularly the COVID-19 era mail-in ballots that were used in a number of swing states, ironically, are very different. In some cases, they have no ID requirements in, in these states that are posted on Ballot PD. You can see the map on my X feed at Royce Hood. The states that require no photo ID, you can simply just put your name on, I don't know, a slip of paper, I guess. I don't know, a Knights of Columbus card, maybe if you're Catholic. Or no ID required, Illinois. For those of us listening in Illinois, there's no ID requirements whatsoever, particularly on the federal ballots to vote. And these mail-in ballots, so the way it works is they print these things by the tens of thousands, in some cases, they mail them out unsolicited to addresses across the counties. In some cases, we've, we've got examples of mail-in ballots being sent in bulk to places that are presumably apartment complexes, but it turns out it's like an old abandoned gas station. You know, so it's not inconceivable that there might be 30 residents in a, in a building somewhere, right? But it's an old gas station. and Why are 30 ballots going there? And then there's no ID, right? So people, anybody can fill these things out and mail them in and they're going to count them. And you tell me the elections are safe and secure. Just last night, within four hours of posting the video, Tucker Carlson interviewed Vladimir Putin and it received over 50 million views in just over four hours. Put that into context Fox News, the most popular news network in the country, generates about 1.4 million viewers. During prime time, I think CNN is at 800,000, 40 or to fit 40 to 50 million within a four to five hour stretch is unbelievable. So X is becoming truly the public, the public square for information in many, many ways. So I'd encourage you to check that out when you get a chance. Uh, we are going to go to a commercial break. And when we get back, we'll be, we'll bring on our guest, uh, Susan, Uh, salmon salmons i think i'm saying that right i'll make sure we get it right on the other side of the spot but we're excited about that thank you for listening to truth culture life at catholic spirit radio and we'll be right back
1: if you have some extra time put those to use for the lord with catholic spirit radio's growing radio network we have three new behind the scenes volunteer positions if you're interested call the station 309-807-2427 Volunteers are specifically needed for each of these roles. First, an energetic and experienced event manager is needed to coordinate our spring and fall on-air fundraisers. Give us a call if that's you. Second, Catholic Spirit Radio needs one to two hours every two or three weeks from a volunteer or a team of two for lightweight general cleaning at our normal location. Give us a call if you and a friend are interested. And third, we are in need of one to two Spirit liaisons from each of these areas. Rock Harvard, Morris, DeKalb, Sycamore, Lincoln, Pontiac, and Clinton. These individuals will assist with informational tables at your local events. Give us a call if you can help out. Become part of our radio mission in 2024. Volunteer at Catholic Spirit Radio. 309-807-2427. Hey,
2: this is Father Mitch Pacwa, host of Open Line Wednesday. For me, Catholic Radio is a chance to speak and hear our Catholic doctrine, consider it, Think about it, apply it to everyday life, and be blatantly in the public with it. And I am so thankful to you for being an important part of the Lord's plan. By participating and listening, invite others to listen and hear open line.
1: Three Kings Gifts has sacramental and seasonal gifts, religious medals, rosaries, and more. On the College Avenue, Epiphany Church Campus, and Normal. Three Kings Gifts is open 10 to 3.30 on Thursday and Friday, 8 to 1 on Sunday. Profits help charitable organizations.
3: Hi, this is John Hall, president of Catholic Spirit Radio. Do you enjoy our programming? Well, we need your support to keep the programming at Catholic Spirit Radio on the air. If you already give, thank you. We appreciate your help. If you haven't given, we need your help now. To donate, go online at catholicspiritradio.com. That's catholicspiritradio.com or mail your donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykin's Place, Normal, Illinois 61761. Or stop by 108 Boykin's Place. God bless you and thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio. A
2: warm welcome welcome. Welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you're inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com. Welcome back to Truth, Culture, Life at
0: Catholic Spirit Radio. I am Royce Hood, and just so glad to be with you today. Thank you for listening. And if you haven't done so, like I I tell you, every show— be sure to download the app at catholicspiritradio.com, and you can listen to this program and other programs everywhere. I mean, it's really easy to do, and it's a lot of fun to have that. All right, and we are joined by a special guest, uh, an author of the new book, The Stations of the Cross in Slow Motion. Suzanne, welcome to the program.
4: Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here.
0: Yeah, and Suzanne, could you? I, I'm going to get your, your last name is Salmon. Is that correct? Is the S silent? Salmon. Salmon? Salmon. Salmon here. Okay, yeah. Suzanne Salmon's wonderful. And for those listening, her book is published through Sophia Institute, and you can check it out at sophiainstitute.com. And we will put a link on our Facebook page and at Catholic, well, via the Truth, Culture, Life pod, and maybe at Catholic Spirit Radio as well. So, all right, Suzanne, tell us a little bit about you. You're a mom, you homeschool seven children, and you're also an author. That's
4: right. Well, I've been homeschooling for about 20 years, so I no longer have seven in the home. I've graduated four, have three I'm still working on, and yes, I love it. I've always found time to write as well. I'm an editor of several Catholic publications, so that's who I am. I've written about all sorts of topics, about child rearing, about holistic health, about the dignity of the unborn, But I will say that the Stations of the Cross is something that's meant a lot to me my entire life, ever since my I was a little girl. I've loved it, so it's certainly been a gift to be able to write this book. It grew out of another book that my husband and I wrote together on the Jesse tree, which is a devotion for Advent. And that book was very well received. A lot of people wanted something like it for Lent, and so that's sort of how this was born.
0: Really awesome! I love the fact that it's put together as a daily devotional, and and the fact that you've got Advent under you know sort of down, and now you've got Lent. Uh, <laughs> how special, especially the fact that we're just about to go into Lent. So I think there's probably still time for people to get a hold of this book uh, before the 14th. Just by going to sophiainstitute.com and just search for the Stations of the Cross in slow motion. If you if we don't if you don't see our direct link, so anyway, walk us through it a little bit. First of all, what was your motivation for wanting to do a Lenten book? And then what do you hope people will achieve from, from reading it?
4: I think as a mom and, and a homeschooler for years now, I've definitely had conversations with other moms about there are so many resources for Advent and it's wonderful. You can't even do them all. But we would always say, I wish there were more for Lent. Like, How do I live Lent in my home with my family? particularly when you have little kids, you've got maybe high schoolers, you yourself want to go deeper, what resources are there for that? There's not a whole lot. So that was what motivated me, I think, and then choosing the stations of the cross as sort of the matrix of the book came about because Lent is long. For the Jesse tree, we have maybe 28 days is a long advent. Lent is always going to be about 46 days. So you need you need something that can walk you through that amount of time. And of course, there are only 14 Stations of the Cross. But when you think about it, the Stations of the Cross are a devotion that we generally complete in about 20 minutes. And sometimes you're at the Stations and you realize, whoops, I kind of missed those last few. I got distracted. I was corralling a kid or... I actually started thinking so much about the fourth station where Jesus meets his mother that I kind of missed the next few. Now we're on the seventh. So slowing them down to dive more deeply into each one, I thought was something that we could all benefit from.
0: I love that. I am the king of getting distracted. <laughs> and how many times like when we, you know, do our rosary, we we do a family rosary at night and. There's so many times where like I find my thoughts wandering, you know, thinking about work, thinking about commitments, thinking about something stupid. And so it's a, it's, I totally get that. Like being able to really take a step back and refocus when we start to get off balance there, I think is huge. Just actually just the other night we were listening to an audio rosary and I had this thought come into my head. I was like, my wife's name is Elise. I was like, Elise, I got to tell you something. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. We're doing the rosary. I'll I'll wait. (laughs) right? Like I totally get that. So I love it. My first real encounter with the Stations of the Cross was actually walking barefoot up Mount Kresovic in Bosnia-Herzegovina, which was incredibly beautiful. Wow, You do it barefoot because it's like part of the suffering, I guess, sacrificial suffering. And there's been all sorts of really neat things that I've like all sorts of beautiful conversion stories and even like mystical encounters that people have experienced in the stations of cross everywhere, but in particular on Mount Krescevic. Have you ever like what well, is there a turning point in your life or in your faith where you've felt like, wow, I, I have to share this with people?
4: You know, for me, it's been more of an organic development over my life. When I was a Catholic school student in the early 80s, our school had the stations of the cross every Friday of Lent, right after school was out. All you had to do was walk across the parking lot and into the church. And it was optional, but almost everybody did it. So I was there at Stations of the Cross every Friday of Lent. And then many times they offered stations again in the evening every Friday. And many times my father would say, would you like to come with me again? You know, I know you already went after school, but do you want to come with me? And I did. I loved to be with my dad. So so that was a natural yes. But I came to love the stations too from that really kind of immersion in them every Lent. So, and I would say another part of it was, you know, the point of the, one of the points of the stations is to help you imagine being there on the way. And I think for children, there's something that really works with that for them. And for me, I really became attached to St. Veronica Mm -hmm. and she, that station, the sixth station of the cross is the one where I could really imagine being there. And I admired her so much. And I wished that I could be her. What would it be like to be able to help Jesus just a little bit while he was suffering? So I think it, everything sprang from there for me.
0: You know what? That's so beautiful. I think my, my, my favorite decade of the rosary is when Jesus fell holding the cross. Right. I like when we do the sorrowful mysteries, that's the the mysteries that for some reason I like connect with the most. And I think about how Christ fell and needed help. And I think about that, like in my own life, whenever I fall, I need help. And I, I just love that. Like the fact that you found that connection with, with that, you know, just, it's just beautiful. It really is. It's, it's so beautiful. And, and faith is such a journey. I mean, for me, it's been a huge journey. And I know for a lot of our listeners and for people that I know in my own life, like it's not necessarily a straight path. And I think about like for me as well, like the conversion is ongoing. Like Mm -hmm. I, it's never ends. Like we're called the conversion every single day of our lives. I wonder, could you, I wonder if it would be really interesting to walk us through the stations briefly. Could you do that? Would you be willing to do it? I would love to. I would, I would love that too. I think that would be so interesting. And we, so we'll, what we'll do is we'll, we'll actually, why don't we do this? Why don't we jump into a commercial break now so I don't have to cut you off? Sure. And then we could go into that right after the commercial break. Okay, Um, great. All right. So you're listening to Truth Culture Life at Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm Royce Hood. We are just so excited right now. We've got this amazing guest, uh, Suzanne Sammons with the new book, The Stations of the Cross in Slow Motion. We're about to go into Lent. So hang tight. We're going to go to a commercial break. And when we come back, she's going to walk us through some of the stations. And I I hope you'll check out her her, her book at Sophia Institute. We will absolutely post links to that on our social media. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: If you have some extra time, put those hours to use for the Lord. With Catholic Spirit Radio's growing radio network, we have three new behind-the-scenes volunteer positions. If you're interested, call the station, 309-807-2427. Volunteers are specifically needed for each of these roles. First, an energetic and experienced event manager is needed to coordinate our spring and fall on-air fundraisers. Give us a call if that's you. Second, Catholic Spirit Radio needs one to two hours every two or three weeks from a volunteer or team of two for lightweight general cleaning at our normal location. Give us a call if you and a friend are interested. And third, we are in need of one to two spirit liaisons from each of these areas. Rockford, Harvard, Morris, DeKalb, Sycamore, Lincoln, Pontiac, and Clinton. These individuals will assist with informational tables at your local events. Give us a call if you can help out. Become part of our radio mission in 2024. Volunteer at Catholic Spirit Radio. 309-807-2427.
2: Hey, this is Father Mitch Pacwa, host of Open Line Wednesday. For me, Catholic Radio is a chance to speak and hear our Catholic doctrine, consider it, think about it, apply it to everyday life, and be blatantly in the public with it. And I am so thankful to you for being an important part of the Lord's plan. By participating and listening, invite others to listen and hear Open Line
1: Three Kings Gifts has sacramental and seasonal gifts, religious medals, rosaries, and more on the College Avenue, Epiphany Church Campus, and Normal. Three Kings Gifts is open 10 to 3.30 on Thursday and Friday, 8 to 1 on Sunday. Profits help charitable organizations.
3: Hi, this is John Hall, president of Catholic Spirit Radio. Do you enjoy our programming? Well, we need your support to keep the programming at Catholic Spirit Radio on the air. If you already give, thank you. We appreciate your help. If you haven't given, we need your help now. To donate, go online at com. That's catholicspiritradio.com or mail your donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761 or stop by 108 Boykins Place. God bless you and thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio. A warm welcome welcome.
2: Welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you're inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com. Welcome back to Truth Culture Life. I am
0: Royce Hood, and you are listening to us hopefully via Catholic Spirit Radio, possibly via Spotify and iTunes and anywhere else that you can listen to your podcasts and radio programming. So we are joined by special guest, uh, Suzanne Sammons, who's the author of the new book. Oh man, I'm going to get it wrong now. The Stations of the Cross in Slow Motion. And and I put her on the spot. I asked her if she would go through the stations with us and maybe just tell us a little bit about them, walk us through them. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Suzanne.
4: Okay. I love this question. I think this is fantastic because it might help it might help you, you and your your listeners understand how the, the book is set up and how you might walk through Lent one station at a time. So we're in this book, I focus on one station for three or four days. And it really gives the opportunity to to dive into each one. And the way I do that is sort of drawing out a theme from each station. So I'm just gonna talk about those themes right now. So the first station of the cross, Jesus is condemned to death. And And what we focus on there is rejection. So, of course, we know Christ was rejected by his people. He was rejected by the religious leaders. He was rejected by the civil authorities. And he was even rejected by one of his own apostles. So, I think there's a lot of material there to dive into that first station. Jesus is condemned to death. And each day for these three or four days when we focus on one station, I lift scripture from either the Gospels or from the Epistles or the Old Testament that talks about rejection and how do we as Christians deal with rejection. The second station, Jesus carries his cross. And this is where I think we naturally think about suffering, how suffering comes into our lives. How does the cross enter our lives and how do we respond? Then the third station of the cross, Jesus falls the first time. So you were just bringing up the falls. And on this first fall, we talk about temptation, because normally with the falls, we think about sin, because we fall into sin, we might think about original sin. But before sin comes temptation. So I think it's worthwhile to delve into that subject and think about that a little bit. And then the fourth, fifth, and sixth stations are our Lord meets His mother. Simon of Cyrene helps Jesus carry the cross, and then Veronica wipes the face of our Lord. And the reason I mention these together is because St. John Henry Newman saw them as hanging together in a very special way. So I just wanted to share that. All of the prayers and descriptions of the stations in this book come from the saints. They come from St. John Henry Newman or St. Alphonsus Liguori, St. Jose Maria or St. Francis of Assisi. So that's, that's a great basis. But I, I love it
0: by the way, like that's the way, the way that you, and not to cut you off and don't let me right. interrupt you, but the way you have, the way you've laid this out and walked the reader. And in this case, our listeners through, I think is really going to resonate with a lot of people. So keep going. I, I'm just totally excited about this book.
4: So these three stations, the 4th, 5th, and 6th, hang together, according to St. John Henry Newman, because when when we think about our Lord meeting his mother, and that probably silent exchange that went on, why is it silent? Because God asked her once, will you do this? Will you be the mother of my son? Fiat, she said. Let it be. And that is, that fiat is still ringing forth On the way of the cross. She doesn't need to say anything else because she has always said yes. She said yes once and for all time. But what does she probably do when our Lord passes on from that meeting? What would a mother do? A mother would pray, and a mother would pray for help for her son, seeing her son suffer like that. Of course, she prayed for help. What does God do? What is the answer to that prayer? He sends a man, and He sends a woman. He sends first St. Simon of Cyrene who helps our Lord carry his cross. So he helps our Lord as a man. He works. He uses his body to help as a very masculine expression of love. Then God sends St. Veronica, whose expression of love and compassion is very feminine, very maternal. So you see what Our Lady did. You know, her her intercession resulted in these things, in a man who could help our Lord as a man and a woman who helped our Lord as a woman. Then the seventh station of the cross, Jesus falls the second time. And in this station, we really consider sin and falling into sin, the origin of sin, of course, being the fall. And examine ourselves, of course, and sin in our lives. The eighth station of the cross, Jesus meets the women of Jerusalem and I think this is probably one of the more mysterious stations based on because of what our Lord says here. It can be a little mysterious. But throughout this book, I really relied on the fathers of the church for interpreting the scripture, every scripture passage that I included. So, you know, Christ here says, Weep not for me, but for yourselves. That, that makes sense. And at the end of the passage, though, he says, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never gave suck. They Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do this, he's referring to this way that he's walking and his crucifixion that is coming up in a few moments. If they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? That seems a little mysterious, but the fathers of the church explain it all and so that's what that's what i rely on in the book to help us like dig into each station we can look to the fathers for every scripture passage then we have the ninth station of the cross jesus falls the third time this i think is an opportunity to think about repentance because when we fall repeatedly of course what is needed is true repentance and to dig into this we can look at Cain and Abel. We can look at Judas. We can look at St. Peter. So I pull those scripture passages and just really try to examine this idea of repentance. The tenth station of the cross, Jesus is stripped of his garments. Here, traditionally, one of the things that we meditate on is poverty. You know, when you think about it, here's our Lord. He's stripped even of his clothes, the only possession he has left. Is the cross that is all he is left with. So really, that can enlighten what spiritual poverty is. What is the poverty we're called to when our Lord asks us to be poor? The eleventh station of the cross: Jesus is nailed to the cross. Naturally, we're going to think more and more about the cross, the cross in our lives, and how do we how do we unite ourselves to our Lord's cross? The twelfth station of the cross: Jesus dies on the cross. It is finished. Here we really examine the scriptures that detail those final moments of our Lord's life. And then on the 13th station of the cross, the body of Jesus is taken down from the cross. Now, as I said, we've been walking through Lent. So we're spending three or four days with each of these stations. So by the time we're at this 13th station, we are at the end of Holy Week. So we've got Wednesday of Holy Week, we've got Holy Thursday, Good Friday. So when his body is taken down from the cross, I think we have an opportunity to really meditate on, for instance, on Holy Thursday on the Eucharist. So the body of our Lord being taken down from the cross, we t- how does that inform our view of the, the Eucharist? And then last of all, the 14th station of the cross, of course, Jesus is laid in the tomb. And so now we're at Holy Saturday and we think about the tomb. We think about how the tomb was in a garden, but what is a garden for? A garden is for growing things. It's not for dead things. It's for things that are alive. And then that brings us to Easter Sunday.
0: Wow. You know, it's, it's amazing to me. One thing that's just so remarkable about the richness of our faith is the fact that you've got you know, every part of the Bible, particularly with Christ, there's symbolism. Like it's not just, a coincidence or an accident that these things happened or occurred or that he told us these things. Every single thing has like, it's like hard to wrap your head around. So much
4: meaning. Yeah. And the the church fathers were just experts at uncovering all that much more than we're used to doing. Just amazing.
0: Yeah. I think about that. I, I talked to my children about this. So my oldest is 10 and she's just all my kids are really on fire for the faith, uh, which is beautiful. I mean, they're young, so hopefully we can maintain that and continue to shelter them from the craziness of the world. And then my oldest son is just turned nine. And in particular, it's interesting. He, he asks a ton of questions. Uh, first of all, he always makes a sign of the cross and, and says a prayer before he eats even a snack he gets really angry at his brothers when they are making funny noises or, or sounds if we're praying and they're maybe disrespectful like and they're all younger like some of them are like 2 years old, 3 years old. So, you know yeah. they, they can't, but they might make a little funny sound and he's like, "Hey, be respectful." He loved going to adoration, so who knows. He he also it, there's a girl he's had a crush on for a couple of years. So, I don't know, maybe you know, he's maybe he's a priest, maybe not. We'll find out. But the reason why I mentioned him is he asks a lot of questions about you know, are we Christians or are we Catholic? I'm like, well, bud, Catholics are Christians. And he, you know, and, and we, we go to like basketball at a Lutheran church. It's just where they hold the basketball. I was like, is this Christian? And he, so like explaining to him, you know, I haven't gotten into like the whole schisms and all that stuff of church history yeah. with him yet, but explained to him that there's, well, the different denominations and they sort of are, I what I what in my opinion, and without getting, because there's a lot of, I do a lot of ecumenical work, but i sort of feel like anything everything is downstream from the catholic church in many many ways which is an interesting way to look at it but explaining the differences in the church are so interesting but during lent i feel like like so much of it comes home every mm-hmm. like every right, all the denominations celebrate easter and the church offers this richness things like the stations of the cross like i don't hear that in other circles that's something that sure. We as Catholics are fortunate enough to be able to have. It's a treasure and it's available for anybody. And we at our parish, we actually have stations outside and um, we just built this amazing new beautiful parish that's absolutely gorgeous. And we have been getting people that aren't Catholic that are stopping by from the community just because they want to see this new place. And then we actually had a Protestant minister come in recently and his mouth was, to the floors, like I had no idea people could build such beautiful things anymore. And he was asking, "Wow!" And and we actually have another guy who was a former Protestant minister for twenty years, uh, was born and raised Catholic, left the church, became a Protestant minister, very anti-Catholic for a number of years. During the construction of the church, came back to the faith, and when the church, when we our parish reopened, he's been coming every week. He's, wow. I mean, just amazing. Right? Yeah, right. The reversion. Yes.
4: I really, really shows that the beauty, how the beauty draws people. We, we, I think, I feel like we tend to think words draw people, but it's truly the truth and beauty that draws people.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you said that because that's, I think you, I can tell you're an author because you're better at stating things than I am. That is what I was, I think, trying to get to the, with the richness. And that's what I think we've done. And I haven't had the blessing yet of reading the book, but I was able to look at a PDF preview. And I, mean, I think that's what you've done with the Stations of the Cross. You're drawing out the beauty of these, in many ways, these mysteries that we can reflect on and meditate on in our own lives. And so I, I love it. I, I just think that this is so needed and how timely that we were able to get you on here. Short notice right before yeah, Lent.
4: Thank you. Thank you. And you mentioning your children, I think in a family... That is That truth and beauty, when we focus on that, that really answers so many questions or maybe even prevents so many problems in the future. If if we live our beautiful, rich faith as we should, our children, when they look at something else, will just see what's lacking. So if if we are presenting the, the glorious nature of our faith and the history of our faith and living it all the time, hopefully that gets planted deeply in their hearts it's so beautiful that going to something else is going to be like if i'm leaving too much i can't do it
0: well think especially that. you're you're on you're on to something there with the children and i think about that too there's times at night where you know i'm feeling tired i just want to lay on the couch or whatever the other night after my son had a religion class at our at our school at the local church we like, I took him to adoration. It was like eight o'clock at night uh, and it, it would have been really easy just to get in the car and to go home. But I wanted to, first of all, spend some time with the Lord and I knew he would appreciate that. But the other thing in my mind was I wanted him to see me spending time with the Lord, mm. right? His father. And I think, wow, imagine that when fathers in a family have respect for the church and a devotion to the church. I feel like so many times we see so many examples of the children maintaining that respect and that joy that it brings me and the comfort that it brings me. uh, Hopefully that they're learning from that.
4: Absolutely. And, you know, we know instinctively that children learn by doing and using their whole body, all their senses, they learn that way. And yet somehow, sometimes we think if I just tell them the Eucharist is the real presence of our Lord. And if I just tell them enough, then that's gonna, that's, I'm gonna, you know, pound that into their head and then somehow it'll get to their heart. And I think it's very important to tell them that. And I believe in, re- in repetition too, I think is really important for children. But there is nothing like, yes, seeing dad there and seeing what he does and how he uses his body, how he focuses his mind. I see that he's concentrating. I, you know, I see that he's peaceful. Those things, I think, sink in and the words need that kind of backup.
0: I I had this crazy idea when you were talking a minute ago. I get a lot of nutty ideas, so forgive me. But here's the idea for you. And you don't have to say yes, but you're an author. I'm not an author. What if you did like a kid's book on Lint, right? Just for kids And what if we did like a contest to have children actually illustrate it? So like, for example, I've got some adorable pictures of like Jesus on the cross or Jesus. And, you know, some of them are like stick figures, but they're absolutely precious. And the things that children come up with, like, there you go. Like how cool would that be if we invite children and the, the best things get in there? And then I think so that nobody's excluded we do a collage. Maybe the last two pages is a giant collage of little mini pictures of everything that was submitted so that every kid that submits gets something listed. And I think that book would be like a New York Times best selling book. And I would love to be a part of it if you decide to do that. Or you can just take this idea and run. Maybe you're already doing it. But anyway. You know, I, you
4: know what I think is so interesting about that is that kids actually love to draw the crucifixion. And I think the outside world would say, well, oh my gosh, don't even show them a crucifix. You know, non-Catholics would be like, that's just too much, you know, right? But they love to draw it. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? It really says something.
0: It does. And kids, just the things, you know, it's, it's hilarious. Like sometimes they're just little like squiggles and my son will come to me. He's five and dad, there's Jesus. There's me. There's you. There's Mary. And it's, well, it looks like little squiggles, but it's like, when you look at it through the eyes through their eyes, it's so beautiful and so yeah. innocent and just perfect. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we are out of time, but this has been so much fun having you on the program. Thank you so much. Thank
4: and, you, it has been fun.
0: Yeah, and I think about that idea. And, and uh, if I okay. see it in the news, I'll be like, yeah, that was, there you go. We'll send something in. But wish you lots of luck with your book. All right, thank you so much. That was a really cool interview with with Suzanne, and I'm just so glad that she was able to join us. And thank you for listening. So for this last segment, I want to talk a little bit about Deliverance Prayers. This is, you know, the book called Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Lady by Father Chad Ripperger. Many of you are familiar with it, and it's just phenomenal. I just wanted to take the last few minutes to kind of discuss it briefly, and I've got a request out to get Father uh, onto this program, possibly in the spring after Lent. If we can, we will. I'm sure we'll be able to. I've been in touch with them before about a song that I've got in the work called "Cover Me," which is based on one of the deliverance prayers. But in particular, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, and you know, if you look at the table of contents, it's broken down into a number of different categories of prayers that you can say, depending on what the situation is. And all of them are all of them are pretty amazing. One in particular, we've we've encountered recently a number of people and just in my travels and different things and people for no reason shape or form seem to be afflicted by any number of physical mental spiritual ailments typically physical is what i'm discussing things like just headaches and fevers and aches and pains and you know medical issues that just can't seem to be resolved maybe somebody just Seems like they've just got really bad luck. No matter how hard they try, just things keep not working out for them. And so obviously, you know, from a worldly standpoint, those things could be related to anything whatsoever. We don't know. But there's also these prayers for healing, prayers for spiritual warfare. And there's some in here as well that deal with breaking familial Curses, which is really an interesting subject matter. Familiar uh, prayer to remove generational spirits. Whoa, that's on page twenty-five. So I'm going to flip to that real quick, and I thought I'd read it because I think it's it's pretty awesome. Lord Jesus Christ, incarnate Son of the God, of God the Father, Thou who hast chosen to enter into human history by being carried in the womb of Thy Blessed Mother Mary, grant I beseech Thee that any demons that may have been introduced into my generational line. By any one of my ancestors may be blocked from passing to the subsequent generations. I ask thee that if the evil spirit entered the generational line by the sin of one or more of my ancestor that, ancestors, that thou wouldst pardon the temporal punishment due to their sin and free us from the demons' involvement in our lives. Blessed virgin, we ask thee to offer the precious blood pl- I'm sorry, precious body, blood, soul and divinity. Of thy son, to God the Father, and reparation for the sins of those ancestors who may have introduced any evil spirits into my generational line, as well as any subsequent sins that may have resulted from the evil spirits affecting those of the generational line, if any evil spirit has been introduced into my generational line as a result of a curse or malfeas done by someone outside my family, I ask thee to give me the grace to forgive them wholeheartedly, and I ask thee, Jesus, to break the curse of. Malpheus, I always get that word wrong, if it is still in place. God the Father, I forgive them for any of the effects of their sin that may have been committed against my family line and for any damage it may have caused. Jesus, I ask thee to forgive me of any sins that may be the result of any generational spirits in my family. And I ask thee to block any power the evil spirits may have gained in my generational line as a result of my own sin. Heal any damage in the lives of the members of my family as a result of the generational spirit. I bind and completely and utterly reject with the full force of my will, any sin or spiritual defect of mine, as well as any temptation, allurements or power that any generational spirit may have over me as a result of my sin or the sin of any other person. I do this in the holy names of Jesus and Mary and in the name of Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen. Now there's a notation after that just incredible prayer. And I'd love to, we don't have enough time today, but I would love to dissect that prayer, particularly if we could get Father Rippager on the program and just kind of walk us through it. But there's a little notation at the end and it and it says, it is highly recommended that one prayer to Our Lady of Sorrows to ask her to reveal what the nature of the generational spirit is and how They have entered the generational line so that specific binding prayers may be said against them and virtues may be developed to combat them. It is also salutary to have masses offered in reparation for any sin that may be the cause of the generational spirit as well as healing of the members who may still suffer the effects of the evil spirit and for the repose of any souls in purgatory that may still be there as a result of sins they have committed at the behest of the evil spirit. All right. So, I love this. You know, maybe this I I think this would be a cool way to end the program as we prepare for Lent. So, each week, if I remember, I have a short-term memory. I'm from Florida, what can I say? Anyway, if I remember and I'm going to try, I'm going to put, make it, make a little note in my calendar. I'm going to end each program with a different one of the prayers from this Deliverance Prayers book. And I'd encourage you to check this book out online. You know, look it up, Deliverance Prayers father chad ripperger it's just incredible and we've i mean we say it regularly we like i look at it regularly i mean we've our family especially since incorruptible i've explained this i think a week or two ago has experienced all sorts of strange phenomena like i mean just things that are probably coincidences but the way i look at it is spiritual attacks like we've had not one now but two or three different gas leaks over the course of the last 6 months in our home and luckily, no nobody's been harmed from that. But just like random stuff, like the other day on our washer and dryer, a game of sorry literally fell off the back of the dryer and somehow hit a tiny little valve that was sticking out of our wall and cracked it, which resulted in a gas leak. I mean, like, come on, seriously? My tire blowing out over the you know, returning from the March for Life on the way home from uh, Indianapolis after I caught a a plane because my flight was canceled in the first place. So be aware of the things that are happening around you. And when the world starts to get crazy and life starts to get chaotic, crack open this book, spend some time in adoration and, you know, go to confession, obviously, and do what you can to combat, you know, the spiritual attacks that may be, maybe being focused on you and why, Why would you be being attacked? Well, probably you're doing something that the devil doesn't like. If you're already his, I've heard this before. If you're already his, he's going to leave you alone. But when you're doing things that mess up his plans for global domination, whatever it is his plans are, you know, he's going to attack you. Anyway, and obviously making sure you have, you know, tire, uh, air in your tires is, is smart too. It's not, we can't blame it all on the devil. Some of it's our own fault, but... Anyway, thank you so much for listening to Truth Culture Life, and it's such a blessing to be here with you, and I appreciate you listening to the show. Be sure to reach out to me. I'm, I'm basically kind of not doing as much on Facebook these days. I'm, I'm primarily more on Twitter, so check that out, Twitter, at Royce Hood. I hope you'll come say hi to me. I have to warn you, I do get a little political on there, as well as I try to focus some on you know my faith and my pro-life stuff, but I can't help it. It's an election year. So yeah, anyway, come say hi and thank you for listening. They don't jump, oh no, and the boil's over How did we
2: become? Like frogs in a pot of water do, 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 do.